Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What's good? What's good? Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Let's get it started. Whew. Okay, so another week of NFL football, week seven. We're going into week eight. Uh boy. So we're halfway through the season. I can't even believe it. A lot of a lot of just shocking and like if I would have told you, think about this. If I would have told you the first seven weeks into the season, seven weeks into the season into the NFL season. If I would have told you the Cincinnati Bengals would be the number one seed seven weeks in, you probably you probably look at me crazy. You probably look at me different. You probably stop listening to my podcast if I would have told you that seven weeks prior. <laughs> right? <laughs> Some interesting stuff going on. Uh, the Chiefs fall to three and four. I am going to talk about them. Uh, just a lot of just interesting headlines. Are the Tennessee Titans legit are they real right um just so many interesting stories uh coming out of this past weekend the nfc is so dominant so top heavy we have we i think the nfc have obviously they have the Cardinals at seven and oh uh the rams are six and one their one loss came against the Cardinals. uh the buccaneers are six and one as well and in that there that one loss came against the Rams and the Cowboys are five and one and that one loss came against the Buccaneers. So and then we had the Packers who's all who um the Packers are also five and I think they're six and one now. They're six and one as well. So we got a couple, we have several one loss teams in the uh NFC. NFC is so top heavy. We expected NFC to be pretty deep. The AFC is pretty deep itself. Um Going, I, I I can't wait to really track the playoff race as we get closer and closer to the postseason because I feel like the NFC is going to probably the NFC is going to definitely have about three maybe even four teams that have eleven plus wins. Uh, looks like the Cardinals are on their way to doing that, and the Rams may be on their way to doing that as, as, as well as the Buccaneers. So we may have four teams in the NFC with eleven plus wins, uh, and then and then I you know. Out in the AFC, different outlook. Uh, mo- a multitude of teams are going to be competing for those wild card spots. Um, but first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. I hope everybody out there is doing fine, doing well. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in, staying tapped in with me. You could have been, you could have been listening to anything else, doing anything else, but you chose to come here and listen to me. So that's what's up. Shouts out to all the first time listeners. If you're a first time listener to the pod. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I uh, hope you come back. Hope you enjoy this episode. If you're a regular listener to the pod, shouts out to you. Shouts out to everybody that's listening. Um, so as I mentioned, the Chiefs fall to three and four. The Titans are coming off of they're coming off of two like really big wins. They beat the Bills, um, who many thought, including myself, we think the Bills are probably the most overall. The, probably the best team in the AFC, and then the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been the best team, uh, you know, the best team throughout the AFC over the last several years now, over the last few years, I should say. Uh, so they, the Titans came away with some two big wins this these past two weeks. But do we still, are we ready to take the Titans serious? We take Derrick Henry serious, but I don't know if we take the Titans serious. I don't know. I don't know if we take them serious enough. Um, 
And I, and you guys know I'm not huge on the Titans coming into this year. I wasn't who I wasn't huge on the Titans. I understood offensively they can put defenses in a tough in a tough predicament. You know, with their up, you know, their play up front, their physical, uh, obviously led by Derrick Henry, but then obviously they have AJ Brown, emerging superstar receiver, along with uh, Julio Jones, who is almost you know damn near first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, and Ryan Tannehill, who's who's solid, you know, he, since he's been a Titan, since he's been a starter, he's been really good. So I don't know how serious to take them or how serious I should have taken them. Uh, but they seem like they're a legit team. It looks like they're going to run away with the AFC South. You know, maybe maybe if Indianapolis can get it going later on throughout this throughout the year, maybe they can make it a competitive race. But the AFC South is probably probably the worst division in football, at least one of the worst divisions in football. But I want to talk about Kansas City first, at least. The Kansas City Chiefs, right? They suffer yet another loss. They're fourth on the season. They're now three and three and four. Um and they got they got they just got smoked by Tennessee. 27-3 this past Sunday. Uh it was as bad like offensively it was as bad as I've seen the Kansas City Chiefs in a very long time. Um, usually, because since Andy Reid has taken over in Kansas City, either with Alex Smith or with Patrick Mahomes, offensively, Kansas City has always looked productive. Now, obviously, with Patrick Mahomes, they've looked you know more explosive than they than they did with Alex Smith. But even with Alex Smith under center. They were always a productive offense since Andy Reid or, you know, you know, since Andy Reid has taken over in Kansas City. Their offense has always looked somewhat formidable and productive. That was not the case this past Sunday. And over the last couple episodes, I have been talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and their weaknesses and, the, and their deficiencies um, and the talent that they lack. And a lot of it I've been talking about on the defensive side of the football. And defensively, they didn't play great this past weekend, right? But we knew, like, coming into the season, we knew Kansas City wasn't a great defense. Last year, we knew Kansas City didn't have a great defense. The year they won the Super Bowl, we knew that Kansas City didn't have a great defense. So that's that. But offensively, they only finished with three points. And that is where I have to draw the line. And that is where you just got to be honest. And as much as I like them, as much as I like their offense, as much as I like Andy Reid, it's okay to say it. Kansas City offensively, they're not playing well. And it starts with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is just not playing well. He's just not. He's actually playing bad right now. I mean, I, 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 and it's okay. It's no indictment on him. Um, he's still a great quarterback. Uh, but I just feel like when we and, – and, and it's okay. We all, I think, I feel like all, all of the all-time great quarterbacks have a bump in the road. All, all quarterbacks, not just all-time great quarterbacks. All every quarterback, every quarterback that plays within this league have some bumps in this road. Everything like, there's no quarterback to play in the NFL where it was just all peaches and cream throughout their years, throughout their career. Not even Tom Brady. There were there there was a period in Tom Brady's career where he went ten years without winning a Super Bowl. I'm not kidding. He literally went 
10 years. There were a there was a 10-year span where Tom Brady did not win a Super Bowl. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's 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 okay. He's had three he's, Tom Tom has actually had three separate careers. But it's okay. Every Drew Brees, he had a there was a stretch where Drew Brees went 79 79 79 79. Three straight 79 like there was a stretch where Drew Brees didn't make the playoffs. It's okay. It happens. There was a stretch in Peyton Manning's career where you know it just just wasn't as good. It happens. It happens. Joe Montana had a stretch in his career where he was a little bit inconsistent, banged up, couldn't finish out the season. It happens. It's okay. There were a couple seasons where John Elway, you know, <laughs> just couldn't just couldn't just couldn't put two and two together. Finished below 500. There were a couple seasons. There's gonna be there's gonna be leaps and bounds throughout an NFL quarterback's career. It happens. It happens. Like, and Patrick Mahomes is not above that. It happened with Aaron Rodgers not too long ago. We saw it happen with Aaron Rodgers. You know, it, it, ha- it it's okay. It's okay. Terry Brad- it, it took Terry Bradshaw about four to five years to become a great quarterback. Like to like to literally become a great quarterback. It took Troy Aikman a couple years. <laughs> it took Troy a few years to become a great quarterback. Like it happens. It just is it like the whole patch, and, and it feels like with Patrick Mahomes, he came onto the scene so quickly, so hot. League MVP, his first year starting, you know, get to the Super Bowl, you know, AFC Championship games, and we, we give him all these accolades, and it's okay, it's fine, it was well deserved. We give him all of these nicknames, and we call him Jesus and shoulder pads. It's the best thing since sliced bread. It's okay, it happens. This this happens. In most, in like I said, every NFL quarterback's career, it happens. To the good ones, to the bad ones, to the all-time great ones, it happens. But right now, and it's okay to admit that Patrick Mahomes is not playing as well. There's actually two other quarterbacks in his own division that's playing better than him, Derek Carr and Justin Herbert. And the Chiefs, I'm not going to lie, looking at their roster, like I said, I can point out, I, I, I have been pointing out the deficiencies uh, of the Chiefs roster, but Looking at it this past Sunday and looking at the turnovers that the amount of turnovers that Patrick has over the, you know, over the first seven games of the year, it reminds me a lot of what I saw at Texas Tech. <laughs> and it's okay. It, like I said, it's okay. The Chiefs are just not, and, and it's okay to admit, the Chiefs just, maybe they're just not that good this year. It's okay. Maybe they're just not that good this year. Maybe they're going to be a nine and eight football team. Maybe they're going to be an eight and nine football team. I don't know. My guess is I think eventually they hit a uh, they hit um, a stretch in the season or in their schedule where they turn it up a little bit and they some way somehow sneak into the playoffs as a wild card or something like that. I, I you know that's that's my guess. But defensively, we all know about the defensive deficiencies. Now there's some guys on defense that are that that's not playing as well. Um, and that they or that you know they're not playing as well as they have been in years past. But offensively, the offense had three points this past weekend. At the first half, the offense had zero points. The last time I checked, when the opposing team scores, they kick it back to you, so you can like you get you have a chance on offense. In Kansas City, offensively, only amounted to zero points in the first half and only finished with three points. 
And we can talk about the offensive line. Yeah, that wasn't the greatest. Four sacks allowed. We obviously with the defensive efficiencies. We can all, we can also talk about coaching um, and the lack of adjustments that we see on both sides of the football. But it's okay. I mean, Patrick Mahomes just is not playing well. And and I told you guys this last week uh, or in the previous episodes. You know, the 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 very thing that we praise and love about Patrick Mahomes, which is his creativity when he gets outside the pocket and the no-look passes and the, and the throwing across your body, there's a little, um, and it made me actually think this past week, like there is a Steph Curry element about Patrick Mahomes. The same thing that we love Steph Curry for is, you know, the long deep threes, the, you know, the, the, the flashy passes, the contested threes and so forth. Those are like before Steph Curry, those were historically bad shots, like the pull-up threes, the contested threes, the, the threes off the dribble and dancing. Like, those were looked upon as bad shots. Then Steph Curry makes them. Then Steph Curry makes them look fashionable, and he does it so well. But there's been moments and times where Steph Curry has been very careless. I can think back to the 2016 Finals with Steph Curry, where the the same thing that we love about Steph Curry with his handle and his fancy passes, um, and you know the difficult shots he's able to make and the the fallaway threes and the difficult threes and the contested threes, those are the same shots that he was taking in the NBA in the 2016 Finals, and he and he just wasn't clicking. They just they just weren't hitting, and he had careless turnovers. That there's a little Steph Curry element to that Patrick Mahomes has. There's there's definitely a Steph Curry element. Um, but it's okay to admit that Patrick isn't playing well. And and my thing is, you know, I hear some people say, Oh, the dynasty is over in Kansas City. The dynasty is over. I would argue, playing devil's advocate, what were they ever a dynasty? I mean, Kansas City, don't get me wrong, the run was spectacular. Oh, their, their run that they have been on over the last three years has been spectacular. You know, three straight AFC championship games, two straight Super Bowls, a Super Bowl win. Um, and, you know, if, if you want to really peel back the layers, uh, the first AFC championship game that they that, you know, that Patrick Mahomes played in, they're one offsides penalty away from being from going to the Super Bowl that year. But then you would have to there would be you would you would have to question yourself. Would there be a butterfly flag? Like, even though, okay, they were offsides penalty away from getting to the Super Bowl, that would mark their first Super Bowl. So would they get back to the second or would they get back to the third? Like, there would be there would be a butterfly flag, uh, you know, or there could be, um, or you would have to question, would there be a butterfly effect to if they made it to that first Super Bowl where they were, you know, where offsides, D4 was off. You you just gotta ask yourself that. But two Super Bowl appearances, a Super Bowl win, were they really a dynasty? I, I mean, it was a great run. It's been a really good run. I don't wanna say like it's been a great run, like the run is over, but it's been it, you know, the run was it, it's really good. I don't know if we can call this a dynasty though. I don't I, yeah, I, I don't know if we can call it I, I can't really call KC a dynasty. But but I've seen this before. <laughs> I have seen this before. Uh where we where young teams 
win Super Bowls and you know all of the all of the valuable assets, right? The asset like the quarterback, valuable pieces on defense, valuable pieces on offense, obviously coaching. When those things are relatively young, we tend to think those teams are going to win more championships than what they actually do. I.e., I look at the Seattle Seahawks. After the Seahawks won their first Super Bowl, after they won their first Super Bowl, everybody thought, oh, my goodness, this Seahawks team, this is the next dynasty. They had the Legion of Boom, Young Secondary, Errol Thomas, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner. Defense is good. The 12th man. Then on offense, you had, you know, Marshawn Lynch running the ball, beast mode. Then you got this young quarterback. Uh, I think his name is Russell Wilson. You know, Pete Curl. You know, we think about Pete Curl in the USC days and so forth and what he was able to build in Southern California. And we're thinking, oh, yeah. This young team in Seattle, they're going to win two, three, four Super Bowls. They're so young. Their window is, is, you know, it's so wide. It's open. They're going to run through it. And, yeah, the, the I mean, after they won the Super Bowl the following year, they get back to the Super Bowl. And one could argue that they should have won that one too, but they didn't. And then ever since then, Seattle flamed out. They haven't flamed out. They've still been competitive, thanks to Russell Wilson, but they haven't been back to the NFC Championship game since that point. Since that since that year they lost in the Super Bowl to New England, they have yet to get back to the NFC Championship game. They've won, yeah, they've won a lot of regular season games. They've been very close to getting back to that point, but they haven't. They haven't. I, and it, that was just... We just thought Seattle was going to go on this long run, young team, young dynasty. This is the next dynasty that's going to overtake the Patriots, and they didn't. They actually lost to the Patriots. Super Bowl, they haven't gotten back to the NFC Championship game, and since then, the Patriots have won, what, three, what, two more Super Bowls after that? Two more Super Bowls after that they won? (sighs) Three more, I think. And... Seattle right now, you know, obviously Russell Wilson's hurt. So that, you know, that that plays into the part as to why they're struggling a bit. But everybody thought Seattle was this young emerging dynasty. And then we all realized that then the team realizes, oh, wow, this dynasty thing is hard. It's hard to repeat as Super Bowl champions. It's hard to win three Super Bowls in four years or three Super Bowls in five years or three Super Bowls in six years. It's really difficult. It's hard. And I think Kansas City is realizing that it takes to do in order to do that. Right. And this is why this is why we got to continue to marvel at the New England dynasty, because it takes a very special front office ownership group or owner um, or coach quarterback duo or particular players. It takes a special collective group to do that. And I'm not saying Kansas City can't do that. I'm not saying Kansas City don't have those things, but there's definitely a disparity in talent on defense. Patrick Mahomes, who, you know, we anointed as like Jesus and shoulder pads, which I have no problem with because he's really good and he's really talented. But the same thing 
that we love Patrick Mahomes about or the same thing that we love about Patrick Mahomes, which is like the creativity and the flashiness and the no look passes and this, that, you know, all that we love is now the same thing that's getting him in trouble and which has him leading the league in turnovers. So that's that. It's okay to say Patrick Mahomes is bad. I don't know if the Chiefs were ever a dynasty. Could they be a dynasty? Maybe. We'll see. But I don't know. I think it was too soon to call them a dynasty. And once again, another young team that won a Super Bowl, that won a championship, and we think they're just going to win five more Super Bowls in the next six, seven years, and we think they're gonna, just going to take over the league and just run away with this thing. And no, competition has caught up in AFC. There's young, there's some really young quarterbacks. I'm not saying they're as good as Patrick Mahomes, but they're really, really good. <laughs> the gap between Mahomes and Herbert is not as wide as you think. The gap between Mahomes and Josh Allen is not as wide as you think. So that's that in Kansas City. Okay, so let's um let's shift gears to a team that made the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And I want to talk about the San Francisco 49ers in Kyle Shanahan. Uh, as they, as the 49ers lost their fourth straight game, right? Fourth straight game to the Indianapolis Colts and basically a monsoon in San Francisco where Jimmy Garoppolo had about three, he had three turnovers on the day and San Francisco just looked out of sorts, out of whack, and they lost to the Indianapolis Colts. Once again, after starting off 2-0, and they lose four straight. Um, and I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I'm just going to be honest. I, and I feel like the 49ers, um, uh, I'm, we, I think collectively we may have overrated them as a team. Maybe it's time to come to grips that this team is just not as good as we thought they were, uh, or, or as we thought they would be this year. Um, I'm a, I'm gonna get to the quarterback stuff because obviously a lot of this, a lot of this with a lot of this unfortunate situation with the 49ers kind of starts with the quarterback situation and that's where it stems but this team may be overrated we may have overrated this team cuz a lot of a lot of people within the media a lot of people just in general like just in football circles considered considered when healthy the 40 the 49ers are a formidable team that could be reckoned with, and that could make a run deep into the postseason. That, like, that was a lot of people's thought process. Last year, they got hit with the injury bug. Like, their their entire front seven got wiped out. You know, some some key guys offensively got wiped out for the year or for, for a, a vast majority of the year. So, we kind of looked at last year as kind of a Okay, they're missing a lot of important guys. They're missing a lot of starters, a lot of impact players, you know. But the year before last, they went to the Super Bowl, and when everybody healthy, that was the team that we intended to see this year or somewhat some remnants of that team. That's the team that we thought we were getting, and we just haven't got it yet. The pass rush has been inconsistent. Uh and more so defensively, the secondary, they still lack in the secondary, and they've been lacking in the secondary for some time now. But then offensively, we shift to the quarterback situation with Jimmy Garoppolo, and as I said, Garoppolo coming back off injury. Uh, Garoppolo had three turnovers, 
And I, we could just bang on Jimmy Garoppolo, bang on Jimmy Garoppolo. And we all know he has limitations. We all know Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a top 10 quarterback. We like we we kind of get this point, right? But now my thing is this. Kyle Shannon, and it, and it, it, it irks me to say this because I, I, on this podcast, I have been a long supporter um, and I have bigged up Kyle Shanahan and how, and I think, I, I think he's just a, a great offensive mind. I think he's a phenomenal offensive mind, but him being a phenomenal offensive mind hasn't equal to winning football games all the time. Like with with and, and it's so funny because we're calling Jimmy Garoppolo the the problem, right? Like we realize Jimmy Garoppolo has limitations. But Kyle Shanahan is 24 and 11 with Jimmy Garoppolo, but without Jimmy Garoppolo, he's horrible. He's 7-28 and as the 49ers head coach without Jimmy Garoppolo. So, I don't know. It's kind of contradictory. And and it's clear as day that Jimmy Garoppolo has, like, he has limitations. But it's just like the 49ers don't have a better option at quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. And there's been rumors, obviously, this past offseason, they wanted, it's clear, the 49ers wanted to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. They wanted to. They wanted to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. They wanted to move on, but they kind of couldn't. They tried to go out to Matthew Stafford. It didn't work out. Matthew Stafford, uh, and uh, and uh, and the 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 Lions and Rams deal. It just kind of meshed together. Where the Lions did take Jared Goff. Obviously, Jared Goff isn't looking good, too good right now. But the Lions, as a whole. They're not looking too good right now. They're 0-7. They haven't won a game yet. But at least they got a first-round pick out of Matt, out of Matthew Stafford in the trade with Jared Goff. And, you know, the former general manager used to be a Rams front office personnel. So it just – everything just kind of mesh and match with the Rams trading with the Lions or the Lions trading with the Rams uh, and not doing the deal with the 49ers, right? Boom. So then before the trade, before the big time trade during on, on draft night, or I should say the 49ers made a trade prior to draft night where they basically traded up. They traded three picks, three first round picks and a third to move up all the way to, to number three. Then the the day of the draft, the night of the draft, they tried to go trade for Aaron Rodgers. It didn't work because we were we, we obviously we were hearing about the turbulence about Aaron Rodgers and his relationship with the Green Bay Packers front office, you know, the Packers brass. But that didn't work, so that fell through. So then, but even prior to that, this thing, this whole situation is crazy. Because even prior to that, we were hearing rumors that, hey, they move, the 49ers move all the way up to three to get Mac Jones. They really want Mac Jones, and then they end up taking Trey Lance. I told you guys, I think two things even happened. Somebody talked, somebody in the front office talked, Kyle Shanahan out of drafting Mac Jones at three, or Kyle Shanahan had an epiphany about the style of quarterback that he wants, and he took Trey Lance at three. Needless to say, taking Trey Lance at three, as much as I like the kid, he was a developmental project. 
he wasn't going to be ready. The thought, the thought process going into drafting Trey Lance was okay, he's really good. The ceiling is high, potentially high. And I can't wait, and we can't wait to see what he can do under Kyle Shanahan and some of these pieces that the 49ers have offensively. But nobody, or I should say, people within football circles did not think that Trey Lance day one was just gonna come in and arrive and be this like this almighty savior. <laughs> like, like nobody thought that. No, nobody in their right minds thought that Trey Lance was going to just go, go in the 49ers locker room, go in there day one, and just and just run circles around Jimmy Garoppolo. At least that wasn't, I mean, that, I hope that wasn't people's thought process. This is gonna take time. Mind you, Trey Lance played one college football game in like the last what year and a half. <laughs> so like I, I even felt bad. I'm, I'm like I'm trying to evaluate. Trey Lance in his first start or during his first start and after his first start, I'm like, I can't even really put a finger on it because he's just so raw. He's so raw and, you know, he's ob he, he obviously does not look ready. And he has yet to make that statement or that point or have that moment where it's like, okay, this guy is the guy. He's ready to take over and the locker room should follow it. That has yet to happen yet. And that's what makes this 49er situation completely weird as far as the quarterbacks. But it's okay because whoever in their right minds thought that Trey Lance was just gonna come in the locker room and take over day one, that, that just that it doesn't it just doesn't happen like that. It just doesn't happen like it, it don't happen like that. Especially with like I said, we know Garoppolo isn't like an elite guy. We know he's not a top 10 caliber type of quarterback. But he's a guy that's won a lot of games. He's a guy that, that has gone to a Super Bowl and that was one quarter away from winning a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback. So the fact that we thought Trey Lance, as talented as he is, as high of a ceiling as we think he may have, right, as, you know, as good as we may think he can be, he's just not there yet. But I feel like that's where... Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, and I like both of them. But at that, that's where I have to second guess and question, okay, what is the direction? Because we think this 40, oh, you know, coming into the season, we thought this 49ers team was reputable and good enough where we thought they could be competing at least for definitely a playoff spot. But a team that, you know, if they get into the, if they get into the playoffs, they can be really dangerous because they got – Great offensive mind, defense, running game. They can run the football, veteran quarterback. We thought they had the ingredients. We thought the 49ers had the ingredients to do what they do. So maybe this team isn't as good as we thought, right? They're still lacking in the secondary. It seems like their key players or some of their impact players are always hurt now. Uh, like, like George Kittle, he's always hurt now. And I like George Kittle. I think he's tenacious when he's on the field. I think he's one, I think he's one of the better tight ends in football when he's healthy, but that's the thing. He's, he's really healthy. So give me Kelsey, but it seems like Kittle is usually hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, you know, he's had his, he's had his share, fair share of injuries since he's become a, a full-time starter in the NFL now. Uh, you know, so it just, it just seems like, you know, every which way you look. 
there's an impactful player that they're always missing. But besides that, Kyle Shanahan got to start winning some games. You know, he got to start winning some games. I mean, great. You're, you're a great offensive mind. And I think and I think that's what kind of gets him by because, and, 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 and like I said, I really like Kyle Shanahan. But we just lump, we lump Kyle Shanahan into this, oh, yeah, he is, he's a, he's a great coach. Because we we look at what he can do offensively. We've seen what he can do offensively. Um, when healthy, when a healthy squad, he got to a Super Bowl, and he was the offense coordinator for the Falcons. Like, we've seen him. We know he's a smart offensive mind, and we know who his dad is and Mike Shanahan. So we kind of just and, – and Kyle is really respected around the sport and around, and around the league. With, with his football intelligence and his offensive creativity. So it just seems like we just lump him into that, oh, yeah, he's a great coach. We lump him into that great coach class. But I, I don't know. We, we I don't know if we can continue to say that if this guy can't win games. If, if the winning isn't there, I don't know if we can continue to say that. We can't, like, we can't continue to lump him into this group. And I think, like I said, I think Kyle Shanahan is a great football mind. I think he's a great offensive mind. Uh, he's really creative. He's really creative, and I can't wait if we you know when Trey Lance is ready and develop. I can't wait to see what he can do with Trey Lance. I can't wait to see what Trey Lance does with Kyle Shanahan and his play calling. But as good as that sounds, as good as that may look, one day you gotta start winning games. Like I thought the Indianapolis game was a winnable game. You know, it was raining. Uh, Indianapolis is a dome team. Indianapolis had their fair share of mistakes and and, and, and you know and hiccups as well. They've they've all they've also been struggling. And my thing is with with this with the Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan dynamic, it just seems like Kyle Shanahan is very conservative, even throughout the game. No matter the flow or the tempo, it just seems like he's very conservative. And my thought process is, hey. If you're going to continue to be conservative, why not just play Trey Lance? If the 49ers, if Kyle Shanahan looks at it like, okay, we're 2-4, I'm going to be conservative. If the 49ers think they're really out of the race for, the for you know, a wild card spot because they're not winning the division. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. They're not, they're not winning the division, I don't think. You know, with Arizona being 7-0, don't look like they're slowing down anytime soon. And then the Rams, they 6-1. They right behind Arizona. Don't look like they, they're slowing down soon. So, like, they won't win the division. But if they're, like, legitimately trying to compete for a wild card spot, which I think they are still, I think they're still trying to do that, then you can't coach conservatively. But if you think, hey, lost calls, let's just play Trey Lance. Let's, 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 let, you know, we're going to go through the hiccups. We're going to go through the nicks and bruises. Uh, he, you know, we don't care if he hits the rookie role, then go ahead and play Trey Lance. Let him, let, let him get some reps in. But if you're going to continue to be so conservative with Jim Garoppolo, with a veteran, uh, with a veteran quarterback, with, with a team that you think is good enough to compete and do something serious, you can't be as conservative as Kyle Shanahan is. That's all. That's all. And I think another thing that gets, you know, within this quarterback debacle and situation that just gets overlooked because of one year of success. And that's the, and you know, I'm being, like I said, I really like the 49ers. And it, it, it seems like with me, 
I was hoping that the 49ers would be good. <laughs> I was hoping they would be good. I I was hoping that Kyle Shanahan would figure out a way. You know, because I like, like I said, I like Kyle Shanahan. I like John Lynch. But we totally just overlook the fact that we bang on the Chicago Bears for not drafting Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. But the 49ers did the same thing. The 49ers took Solomon Thomas over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. So we bang on the Bears. And the only reason why we bang on the, the reason why we continue to bang on the Bears is because they moved up to number two to draft only to draft Mitchell Trubisky, which was a bad move, right? Okay. But if we're going to tell the story, let's tell it all. Because the 49ers right at three, they had a chance to get Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. They had a chance to get Mahomes, Deshaun. Like, they had a chance too. They just, they missed out on it. But we just, we just totally overlook it. We overlook it because the Bears, we think, oh, my God, the Bears, so stupid. You trade up, the only go up to number two to get Mitch Trubisky? What are you doing? And you pass on these two guys? Yeah. Well, the 49ers did the same thing. They were at three. They just didn't, they, they just didn't trade up. They were at three, and Mahomes and Deshaun Watson was right there. Nah, they like, oh, no, nah, we'll take Solomon Thomas. <laughs> and I'm not, I mean, Solomon Thomas is not a bad player, but come on. You, we bang on the Bears for not taking those two guys. We got to bang on San Fran for not taking those two guys either. <laughs> because now they found themselves in the, in the middle of a quarterback debacle. And also, they had a chance to get Tom Brady. Tom Brady wanted to come back home. Tom Brady wanted to come back to his roots. Tom Brady wanted to come back and play for his hometown team that he used to root for. Uh, 49ers passed. The 49ers passed on that too. So, I mean, you know, we can blame Jimmy G, right? We can talk about. Offensive line, we can talk about secondary and so forth. We can talk about some injuries. But the fact of the matter is 49ers, as far as the direction of this football team and what they want to do at the quarterback position, it, it, it's been shaky. It's been it's been shaky. It, it's been really rocky. And like I said, <laughs> you know, we overlook some of the moves or lack thereof that they didn't make. We overlook those things, and we just—it's like we turn, we turn, we turn our heads. But 49ers passed on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson too. You realize if they if they would have drafted one of those two guys, they wouldn't be in this predicament right now, right? The sky would be much brighter, much sunnier in San Francisco if they would have done that, or, you know. Buying Tom Brady, but they didn't. So uh, obviously, let's move on. Um, I got my top ten teams. We do this on a weekly basis. I got my top ten teams ready and loaded, and then I got another top ten list for you guys. I'm gonna take the time to reevaluate some quarterbacks, some young quarterbacks. I'm gonna take some time to reevaluate some t- some young quarterbacks. I'm actually going to rank them as well. Uh, I'm gonna rank some young quarterbacks. Since uh, I'm going to go from the last, I'm going to do the last three, the last three years. So from Kyler Murray's draft, which I think was, can we get that? Sorry. (laughs) We need this. So from 2019 draft, three years, 2019 draft, 2020 draft, and this past draft class, 
I'm going to rank the quarterbacks. I think it's time to do another quarterback ranking of sort. Why not do it with this? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a re-ranking, a reordering, um, I, or not even a re-ranking, but just give you guys my thought process on what I think about certain quarterbacks as the season, as we're halfway through the season now, uh, going into week eight. So top 10 teams after the break and then top 10, you know, or young quarterbacks. We're going to get into that. Hey, y'all, I mean, okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now, up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB. Um, NHL, it does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there, rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale, the 47 brand. Okay, so here's my top 10 teams. Here's my top 10 teams. Like I said, we do this on a weekly basis. Uh, <laughs> we do this on a weekly basis. I got some new teams that I have included uh, after this past week. Uh, obviously, some teams fell out, so... Can't wait for you guys to hear them. So let's start at the top. At number 10, or should I say bottom top? I don't know. Let's start at 10. <laughs> uh, I have the Raiders. I have the Las Vegas Raiders at 10. Yes. Um, they're 5-2. and two. I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I, you know, with dealing with all the controversy, um, I, I, I thought their offensive line from last year downgraded. But some way, somehow, and sometimes it can still be a bit spotty. But some way, somehow, Derek Carr just have this. They, they, he has this team number one in the AFC West. Um, he's playing some terrific football. He has five. Mm, excuse me. He has five games with three hundred plus yards this year. Three hundred plus passing yards this year. So they, the, the Raiders, I, I, you know, they look good enough where I can put them in my top ten. Um, their defense still kind of hit or miss. It looks, it, it looked pretty good versus Denver the other week. Um, the this uh, well. The other week, uh, the week before last, but um, I got them at ten. I think this is, I, I think this says a lot about Derek Carr. I think for years he's been very underrated, and I've told people, I'm like, if you look at the Raiders, he's not the problem. He is not the problem in 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 Las Vegas now. He's not the problem. Um, defensively, they've had some, you know, bad defensive picks. Uh, obviously Gruden, you know. Things were pointing up this year, but prior to this year, it just never really panned out with Gruden as far as on the field, if we, you know, as far as results. But the Raiders are five and two. I got them at ten. At number nine, I had to put the Ravens. Uh, I know I maybe I jumped the gun a bit too early with the Ravens, um, but they're they're still a really good football team. No worries, they're still a good football team. But their pass defense is atrocious. Um, their pass defense is atrocious. Uh, and my fear kind of came to fruition where, you know, they're, they 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 become very Lamar dependent. And as as I told you guys, or you know, as, as I was as I was explaining to Kenneth, um, when talking about Lamar and the Ravens, uh, the, on the previous episode last week on Saturday, uh, you know, Lamar he tends to have a bad half or bad drive or bad couple possessions. It can linger, and it shows in some of his throwing mechanics. Now, he has improved as a thrower of the football, but he is not an elite passer of the ball yet. 
He's not an elite passer. Of the, uh, uh, you know, he's not. He's not. And it's okay, but he's made steady improvements. But just because he's made steady improvements doesn't mean he's in an elite class of throwers. He's not. And we saw some of that back in – we saw some of that this week versus Cincinnati where, you know, some throws he just couldn't make and he was off target. Uh, but at number eight, I have the Cincinnati Bengals at five and two, number one in the AFC North, and also number one in the conference. They look really good. Now, do I think they're the best team in the AFC? No, obviously not. But I have them at eight. I had to put them at eight because, first, they beat Baltimore. Uh, now they're number one in their division, which I did not see coming. And it seems to me that this Cincinnati Bengals offense is a very explosive offense, big play offense. Um, obviously, the, the the Joe Burrow to Jamar, that that has worked out. Like, there's no doubt that Jamar Chase can play. Um, I know some people were questioning it at first. You know, why would they draft a, a receiver when they get a left tackle? And why would they do this, this, that? He's worked out. <laughs> He's worked out. In seven games, 35 receptions, 754 yards, receiving yards with six touchdowns. He's a big play threat. <laughs> he can take it to the house. He can beat you downfield, or he can catch his catch a short and beat you to the house. He's just that good. But now with Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is very much a franchise caliber, franchise level quarterback. Um, and he looks like he's making a run for uh, you know, you know. Comeback player of the year with Dak Prescott. He looks like he's, you know, he's in the running for that. Uh, also, the Cincinnati Bengals, they have a deep, they're deep at receiver. Like, this this pass-catching group that Cincinnati has, especially, you know, including the young tight end that they got, it's deep. They're deep. They're young. They're talented. They're really good offensively. Defensively, it could be hit or miss. Um, they can stop the run, which they did, that which they handled pretty well versus uh, Baltimore this past week. But Cincinnati at five and two, I got them at number eight. At number seven, I have the Packers. Um, now they're going into they're going to go play Arizona on Thursday. Uh, they don't have no Devontae Adams, but they do get left tackle David Bakhtiari back. Um, I was I think that's one of my issues right there. Uh, Green Bay outside of Devontae Adams, I just don't see a reliable second option that Aaron Rodgers really fully trusts. Uh, especially going into a game of this magnitude versus Arizona, where this could, you know, potentially have some home field advantage implication imp- implications on it. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think uh, I got them at seven. I think the Packers are a good football team, but you guys know how I feel. They like this Packers team. They've been in this six, seven, eight range uh, basically since the start of the season, where they have they've played down to the competition. Uh, and I just see some limitations offensively when you just take out Devontae Adams. They still have Aaron Jones and so forth, but you take out Devontae Adams and you include the fact that, yes, you get Bakhtiari back, but it's still probably an average offensive line uh, or one of the more average offensive lines that Aaron Rodgers have had to play behind. So, I, I you know, I'm just a little worried about them offensively. Uh, we'll see what they do against versus Arizona, but I got the Packers at seven. At number six, I had to put the Tennessee Titans. I, I you know, I, like I told you guys at the beginning of this episode, I'm not too fond of the Titans. I'm not even sure if they're gonna make a deep playoff run, but they're well coached. They're gonna outman you. They're gonna play physical football. And speaking of injuries. I think the Titans have had the most players placed on IR this year. 
in some way, somehow, they continue to win football games. Uh, obviously, Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry. He's doing Derrick Henry type, type things. But it, it just seems like with, with the, the thing that scares me about Tennessee is they're, they're very hot and cold. They're very hot or cold. When they're going, they're going. But when they're cold, boy, oh, boy, do they not like they do not like the same football team. But when they get a lead on you and they're able to run that football and physically dominate you, that's where they're at their best. Uh, and they're, they're very dangerous when they do that. I got Tennessee at number six. At number five, I got the Buccaneers. They look they, – they, they actually look pretty good. They look pretty damn good this past week versus Chicago. Now, granted, it's Chicago. But the fact that they were up 35 to nothing at halftime is amazing. Uh, Mike Evans had three touchdowns. Tom Brady continues to do what he does. He's leading the league and passing touchdowns. Uh, this is this is probably their best game in a while. Like I said, as the season continues, as we get closer and closer to the postseason, I think Tampa Bay will only get better, and they will recognize, hey, we're you know this is postseason, it's crunch time now. So they're they're waking up. They had a very dominating. They had a a, a really dominant thirty eight to three win over the Chicago Bears. I got the uh, Buccaneers at five. At number four. I have the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams, once again, uh, they're 42-0, win leading going into halftime under Sean McVay. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're unbeatable. If they got a lead at halftime, you can you, you know, you can just warm up the bus. Uh, Cooper Cup is balling out of his mind. Cooper Cup looks like a mix of Jerry Rice and Randy Moss right now. Um, the Rams' defense, they're well-balanced. I like it. I, 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 you know, you guys know I really like this team. I love the McVay and Stafford combo. Got the Rams at four. Uh, but at number three, I had to pick the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, I still think they are the best team in the AFC despite the two losses. Um, number two, scoring offense. Number one, scoring defense. I think they will be just okay. They got a couple, e- they got a couple easy games coming up. Um, their division is not that good at all. So they're going to be able to rumble off some, a couple wins to you know stack up that record. So I got them at number three. And then at number two, I got the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, I have the Dallas Cowboys. Don't you know the Dallas Cowboys could have 2,000-yard rushers, 2,000-yard receivers? Um, That's amazing. That would be the first time that has ever happened in league history. When healthy, they're off, when their offensive line is healthy, they have probably the most dominant offense in football. Yes, they probably do. They're pro- they probably have the most dominant offensive line or offense in football. I think the thing that really separates the Cowboys from the Chiefs offensively, and I'm not saying, no, 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 and hear me out. I'm not saying Dallas is necessarily more explosive, but it seems like they have more at their disposal because Dallas, I get, with their running back core, I get a power back in Zeke who's able to just short yardage, grind you out, physically dominate you, out-muscle you, out-gang you, out-man you. And then I got a running back in Tony Pollard, who's very shifty, quick, narrow, can he just he, he can turn on the Jets anytime. That's what I have at Dallas. And then their receiving core, I have guys like Cedric Wilson who comes in and makes terrific catch, catches, and he's Dallas' fourth receiver. So I just feel like Dallas have more at their disposal. And just because they have more at their disposal doesn't mean they're necessarily better, but I feel like they run the ball better than Kansas City which makes their offense more well-balanced, more well-rounded. So I got the Cowboys at two. Uh, their defense, 
you know, has, has stepped up this year. And they get some key guys back coming soon. They get Demarcus Lawrence coming back soon. Um, Michael Gallup is coming back. And they get Calvin Joseph, young rookie cornerback. Let's see what they do, what, what he does um, when he comes back. At number one, I got the Cardinals, obviously. Uh, only uh, only undefeated team in the league so far, 7-0. and uh, Their defense, we could talk about Kyler Murray all day long. Kyler has played awesome, definitely an MVP candidate. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is doing DeAndre Hopkins type things. And, you know, it looks like the Zach Ertz trade worked out as well. Uh, but their defense is phenomenal. Their defense has only allowed 16 points per game. Um, J.J. Watt, the J.J. Watt signing has has worked out. I think we can say that's worked out pretty well. So I have the Cardinals at one for right now. I think right now they're the best team in football at eight and no. That is who I have. So from one list on to the other, I'm going to rank these quarterbacks. Like I said, I'm going from the 2019 draft. Now I am going to exclude a couple guys. Uh, as I mentioned already in my 49ers segment, it was very hard for me to evaluate Trey Lance and to see where he was as a quarterback. He's only started, what, two games? So I'm not going to include him on this list just based off of that with him being so raw. Um, and only I, I don't have an, I just don't have enough game footage to properly rank him. I'm going to leave him. I'm going to exclude him off this list. Uh, I'm going to exclude Drew Locke off this list because he's he, he hasn't played and he's benched. And then Dwayne Haskins, he's he's benched as well. He's a second-string guy. So I'm going to exclude those three guys off the list. So for the 2019 draft, in and on, in, in on 20, 2019, 2020, and this past year, 2021, I'm going to rank these quarterbacks. Uh, so let's do it. At number one, I'm going to start from well, – actually, I should start from 10 to 1. So let's go, let's go from 10. From 10, I got Tua. Um, I, I don't know what to say. Tua, he just hasn't worked out yet. It looks like Miami is very, very, they're going hard. They're going all out to get Deshaun Watson. So the Tua situation in Miami may not be for long. Uh, the trade deadline is coming up this week or next week, I should say, actually. Next week, I think it's November 2nd. That's the trade deadline. So we could could be a new quarterback, a new face in Miami. But Tua, just, he just looks small. Um, he, he does have some limitations. I don't I – think, I think I had Kenneth on the previous episode. I think he made a great point about the personnel. The personnel necessarily doesn't really fit Tua, but still I, it just doesn't look like Tua is showing any type of flashes as of right now. Um, at number nine, I put Jalen Hurts. Uh, fundamentals are a bit off, not accurate enough down the field. I feel like he gives up on plays too early. That's what that's what I've noticed. He get like if the first read ain't there, if the first read isn't there, I feel like he gives up on plays way too early. And I have seen countless not not I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna make it I'm not gonna over exaggerate it. But I've seen clips and plays where he has given up or on plays so early where if he just waits a second, a tad second, it's a touchdown. It can lead to a big play. But his fundamental, his fundamentals and his mechanics are out of whack. Um, some of this is due to, uh, I think, some of the play designing in Philadelphia I don't love. But 
still not accurate enough down the field. So I got Jalen Hurts at nine. At number eight, I got Zach Wilson. You guys know I was never huge on Zach Wilson. I think he's very talented. Um, he is he is small. He got a small frame. He's very athletic. He does have some flashiness to his game and some some cool factor, some wow factor. But the organization thing kind of scares me with the Jets. The Jets have been historically bad. They've been looking in, in search for a quarterback for Lord knows how long. But I don't know if Zach Wilson is necessarily the guy. Still very, still early, very young, you know, still early. We'll see. But I got him at eight as of right now, at number eight right now. That's that's Zach Wilson. At seven, I got Daniel Jones. I mean, Daniel Jones has some bright moments. His his highs are pretty high, right? His lows are really, really low. His lows are really low. Uh, he 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 does have typically he's gotten hurt over the last couple seasons. He's he got he got some injury bug in him. But the turnovers, the turnovers, 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 turnovers. Does now does it help that he has a subpar offensive line? No. Does it help that Saquon Barkley, it, you know, he struggles to stay healthy as himself? No. Uh, does it help that Jason Garrett is his offensive coordinator, so we know he's going to be conservative? No. But Daniel Jones still kind of struggles with the turnover thing, and that's what worries me. Uh, at number six. I got Mac Jones. Uh, you know, Mac Jones, out of any rookie quarterback this out of any rookie quarterback this year, he's gone into the best situation. Josh McDaniels as an offense coordinator, the great Bill Belichick as a head coach, really good defense. New England, they're not a great team this year, but they're they're a respectable team. Now they, they've lost a couple close games, but Mac Jones has been fairly, you know, looking at if you're if you're gonna rank the rookie quarterbacks in their situations, Mac Jones has certainly been in the best situation. Um, I've I've seen flashes of what I like and seen. I still I still have my thoughts about his ceiling, him being a high floor player. I think he's a high floor, low ceiling type of guy. I think that I think that's I still think that. But like I said, good pocket feet, smart guy, uh, accurate. Can deliver the football where you need to be on time, on point, precise. But uh, I still see a limited ceiling. I still see limitations that would withhold that, like that could withhold him back from taking that next step into stardom or being a top ten guy. You know, I think he's gonna stay around in those twelve to seventeen or twelve to sixteen waters, top sixteen, top twelve, top sixteen waters. Uh, in the future. At number five, I got Justin Fields. Uh, I think he has a higher ceiling than Mac Jones, but I don't love his organization right now. Uh, I don't like the direction Chicago's going, uh, more so with the coaching staff. I don't think the coaching staff uh, with Justin Fields, I don't think they're giving him the best chance, the best opportunity to flourish and ultimately win games. And it doesn't help that the Chicago Bears offensive line is just a mess. It is a goddamn mess. The offensive line is atrocious. Justin Fields is the most has been the most sacked quarterback this year, and he's only started five games, four games, four, four or five games. He started four. He's he's only started four or five games, and he's the most sacked quarterback. That offensive line is a damn mess in Chicago. I got Fields at number five based off of what I think he can do in his ceiling. But boy, I pray for him in Chicago. And number four, I got Tre I got Trevor Lawrence. I think he can make all the throws. 
Similar to Justin Fields, I'm a little concerned about the Jacksonville situation. Urban Meyer, is Urban Meyer going to work out? Is he going to be there? Is he even going to be there next year? Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see how Jacksonville builds around him. But I think he will form into a franchise quarterback. Now, the the caliber of franchise quarterback, I don't know. Like, he's going to be good. Is he going to be good enough where he can come, he, where he can overcome all of these issues and take the Jacksonville Jaguars to new heights? Mm, I don't know. Is he going to be good enough where he can overcome these issues and take the Jacksonville Jaguars to the playoffs on a on a yearly basis? I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe he can't. I don't know. But I think Trevor Lawrence eventually will be and form into a franchise caliber quarterback, maybe an elite quarterback. Um, at number three, I got Joe Burrow. I see a lot of Tony Romo, but he has proven that he can be a franchise caliber quarterback. He's winning games now. He has he he has Jamar Chase alongside with a great receiving core. And also Joe Burrow, I don't know. He just has this swagger, this aura about himself that I like. It just it just gives me Tony Romo-esque vibes. It just I see a lot of just Tony Romo. They wear the same number. They're cool. I don't know. I just see a lot of swagger that I like about him, um, that he has about himself. And that's why I got him at number three. But like I said, Cincinnati, the fact that he has Cincinnati at five and two, Zach Wilson seems like he's a pretty decent coach, but we're, we're still not sure. Uh, and this roster doesn't really scream five and two or should be five and two or should be leading the AFC North, but they are. And Joe Burrow has a lot to do with that. So I got him at number three. Then that column, I got number two at, at number two. I got Kyler Murray, very dynamic, much, you know, he's very small. He obviously has a smaller frame than, you know, some of these other guys, but now he's found his groove. Like he's found his groove in year three, year one. There was a learning curve, but we saw the explosiveness. We saw how dynamic he could be. Year two, you get him, uh, uh, you get him one of the best, if not the best, receiver in football. And DeAndre Hopkins, you get him some weapons. He looks pretty dynamic. Couldn't really close out the deal last year. Now, year three, you continue to build around him. You become ultra aggressive, and now you have a you have a quarterback that's 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 definitely a top ten guy nearing you know playing at an MVP caliber level and now he's on a rookie contract and you have a really decent team around him that's what the Cardinals have done Kyler Murray at number two and then at number one this kid is phenomenal I got Justin Herbert I got Justin Herbert smart strong arm kid big 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 frame great playmaker um for him to have a strong arm and, you know, he makes a lot of tight window throws. Justin Herbert doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Like, for him, for the fact that he has a strong – because usually when quarterbacks have strong arms, they think they can make every throw, and they become a bit aggressive, and that aggressiveness leads to some interceptions and turnovers. But this guy, he doesn't turn over the ball a lot. He does not turn over the football a lot. He's a smart kid. Uh, I think he had like a 4.2, 4.3 GPA at Oregon. So, you know, he's just translated well and has adapted so quickly to the NFL game. Even in year one and now year two, he looks like an MVP caliber type of guy this year, year two. Um, and it looks like the Chargers, he's going to lead the Chargers to the postseason, I think. But those are, that's my ranking 
of the quarterbacks from the 2019 draft all the way up to this draft. Like I said, I excluded a couple guys because of different reasons and so forth. But those are my top 10 guys from the last three draft class of quarterbacks. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Pretty long. Hope you guys enjoyed it. But I will catch you guys. Hopefully I catch you guys on Saturday. Uh, Wednesday episode, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I said that already. <laughs> um, but without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. Always remember, two choices, one decision. Peace. Adios. I'm gone.